Hey everybody, welcome back to Two Asian Vaginas.、Um, we have been gone yet again for more than half a minute to the point where we even said that we were coming back with this very episode, but in the editing process, it was not that great. So we are now retaking it and hope that the conversation that's fleshed out today on compassion and empathy really speak true to you guys or even maybe tug at certain things that haven't been. Tugged at for a while. So I have Rachel here with me per normal. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is our very honest truth.、Um, yeah. The edit, sometimes you record an episode and it's not the best. So then you record it again and try to have a different conversation. That's right. And since it's been about a week since we've had that conversation, maybe more,、um, we will have very well forgotten some of the things that we said or didn't say. But I had alluded to earlier that we are going to be covering the topic of compassion and empathy. And for me, the reason why this set of topics or this combination really stuck out was because, first and foremost, we have always had a multitude of things that go on outside of ourselves and in our world, and things that really spark the attention of media and The story that specifically was highlighted was the one that had happened in Aleppo and the child who was seen completely covered in dust and ash and、um, with the bloody eye and the bloody marks around his body. And as almost an ambassador for the tragedy that's going on in the Middle East, he stuck out in the news across the world. And then people kind of forgot about him. And there was a follow up article from the New York Times that had described how his brother had passed away and how this child himself was only discharged after having faced minor injuries. And that child has yet again become one of the anonymous faces in a sea of suffering that our world is currently really in the thick of facing. But to be honest, you know, who cares after, after that one gut punch? You know, who has followed、mm-hmm. up with this child? And so. That prompted me to really consider compassion and empathy yet again. And secondly, things have been really fast paced for me right now with a huge transition back to Los Angeles. Huge.、Mm, I feel as though, Rachel, sometimes I feel like huge is not the best word to put. Like huge when people see it from the outside of things, but it doesn't feel quite as huge.、Um, mm. So, regardless though, it's been kind of busy and. I wanted to just take a pause, return to this conversation, and see what we had to think about with a little bit of clarity and isolation. So, Rachel, first and foremost, I guess, what is compassion to you? It's such a huge topic, and, and I know I've predicated it with a lot of different things, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting、um, given that we are being very upfront about the fact that we have had V1 of this conversation and just reflecting on what was really top of mind for me at least two weeks ago when we recorded it versus now. And even thinking about that boy in Aleppo, you know, certainly when we、um, recorded the first conversation, it was obviously much closer to the release of that photo and the aftermath and all of that. And、yeah. I'm now, even two weeks later, thinking back to that conversation, it feels like such a distant memory、mm-hmm. and the compassion, the emotions, the tugging at my heart that I felt then, that I know that I felt then, that we even talked about then and recorded.、Um, it feels a lot. Further away from me now. And so I'm just thinking about how quickly our hearts can change, how quickly、um, what's top of mind can fade. But going back to your actual question, what is compassion to me? I think it's really 
the feeling that you sometimes physically feel in your heart or in your gut when something connects to you, something really resonates with you, whether because you know it's something great or something really horrible or sad or harrowing or difficult um i think we generally tend to think of it on the more negative side when you can have compassion on someone and i think this may not come out as well as it sounds in my own brain right now but i think it's um you can have compassion on someone when you have the the space in your heart not to get too like I don't know, up in up in the clouds, but when you have the space in your heart to really extend that emotion to someone else, I think I can. Um, I think you can only extend compassion when you have kind of the either the emotional or spiritual or mental sort of space and the capacity to feel for someone that is outside of yourself. And sorry, we're going to ask them ask, ask or say something. <laughs> Yes and no, but how can it be yes and at the same time, actually? I don't know. So yes, I do. And your response reminded me of a situation that I was in and I was personally going through a rough time and I, I met somebody for really the first time where you really meet somebody. It's not just, hi, my name is X or what's your name and all of those things, but we really got deep in a conversation. And Love those. Yeah. Totally. This is why you and I are like BFFs. And so, but as we were talking and I was just sharing my story, she began to cry and her tears were birthed out of the fact that she was currently going through something very similar. And so I think in that moment, she may not have had the space in her heart, but she was so in tune with mm-hmm. what I was facing at the time. And it's not to say that, you know, you're wrong in any way, because I definitely think that having room open within yourself to give to others totally can open that moment of compassion. But I think alongside of that, if I am currently going through something where whether it's a family thing or any sort of relationship thing, if somebody is going through the same thing, I feel like, you know, misery loves company sort of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's that feeling, by the way, is like, so well, it's, it's an incredible feeling when um, you don't feel alone, like you stop feeling alone or someone kind of puts voice and words to the things that you've been feeling. And it kind of feels like someone opens a door mm-hmm. in like a dark room. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. I wonder if that could, in my mind, I categorically put it under like empathy mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and connection a little bit more than compassion. Mm-hmm. So if we follow the sort of guide of thinking of compassion as something where you have a moment and space and time to sort of consider that of the other would you then feel the I guess least compassionate in a situation where you are going through so many different things at once or you're involved in the lives of you know other people's sort of situations at once Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I think the times when I feel the least compassionate is when I just like, uh, it's almost embarrassing to admit, but it kind of feels like I'm so um, like thinking about myself and there's, it feels like there's so much going on with me and myself that I just can't find the wherewithal to think about you or someone else, right? (laughs) Like, 
not you specifically, <laughs> Nina, but like the you, the person in front of me that, um, you know, requires my compassion or the person that I'm reading about on the news, um, the situation in, you know, Charlotte or something. I, I think when it's like all about me and my world, that makes it really hard to look outside of myself. Yeah. Um, which is really sad. And I think that's kind of almost um, tying back to um, millennials. And I kind of hate and love talking about millennials uh, because it's one of those things. It's like so sad sometimes. Um, But, you know, we do live in a generation where it's all about you and it's all about Mm -hmm. you carving out your own life and your own path. And sometimes it's very easy to get stuck in that mentality and it makes it difficult to really create that space to have gratitude or to have compassion Mm -hmm. um, and to think about others there's so much truth in what you're saying and I also feel that it's society's default answer though at the same time that we're so into ourselves that we can't think or we can't have the capacity to consider others which can be true and which I know can be true in my life for sure too that you should not be embarrassed at all to talk about that because you are not alone in thinking that but I also want to sort of put light on another type of situation where you know we don't have to reflexively think that because we're so self-indulgent that we ignore you know the injustices of others or the tragedies of others and instead in like a social welfare environment or an environment in healthcare or, you know, in dealing with everything that we face in the world, there's something that I don't find has enough attention, which is the fact that right now there are so many different things that our hearts can really shatter for and where we can extend ourselves to something else. There's, you know, a lack of water in third world countries. There's a lack of water in California. There's um, human trafficking. There's open slavery still going on there's aleppo there's syria there's all of these different things and Mm -hmm. in the midst of that what i came across was actually something called compassion fatigue and since our audience knows at this point that we have had a first recording this is something that we covered then and i think it's worthwhile to reiterate again because you know the beginning of our conversation pivoted around this idea where in this pixelated age not only do we look into ourselves too frequently, but even then it's kind of distorted. And instead, compassion fatigue explains that it's an indifference towards all of these situations that are not ideal, that are going on around us um, for those who are suffering. And it's because of the frequency and the number of such appeals. And earlier I had mentioned um, social welfare and hospitals because they are constantly challenged with an onslaught of really horrific situations and Mm -hmm. in order to cope and in order to cope specifically with compassion fatigue it's this result of being desensitized and of treating things sort of mechanically there's something in that you know like there's something in this conversation about compassion fatigue and about the human condition that Mm -hmm. we can sort of glean from yeah i mean i totally understand that I've certainly experienced that in my own life and I see it around my friends I see it around people I know right like we have so much information at our fingertips and this is almost starting to become like a very like yeah like we've heard this talk track before but Mm -hmm. if you think about it like 
as soon as something happens around the country, around the world, we hear about it in minutes. And on one hand, that's amazing, right? We are more connected than ever before, um, blah, 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 Mark Zuckerberg, this is his vision, <laughs> da, 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 da. But at the same time, like, I think that information overload makes it so that you know about this. You can't, your heart, I don't think our hearts were necessarily designed to um, have compassion on every single incident, every single moment, every single tragedy. And that sounds weird to say as I'm saying it out loud, but mm. we are all human. Mm-hmm. And I think we have limits and mm. um, there are limits to what your heart can shatter for. Your heart can only shatter so many times in so many ways. Mm. And um, it's it's sad that we have that fatigue. Um, but and this I, this is something I'm preaching to myself is I would challenge us to not respond with fatigue mm-hmm. um, and just have it end there. But really recognize the fatigue hopefully this episode is helping you listener recognize that fatigue in your own self and sort of extend grace to say yeah like that is what's going to happen when you pressure yourself to care for every single thing but um to recognize that and say okay i can only care for x number of topics x number of cases or um i can only fight so many battles like which ones am i going to fight which ones am I going to take action on instead of, you know, just reading about it, sharing on uh, sharing it on my blog or sharing it on my yeah. Twitter or my Facebook feed or changing my profile picture and then having that be, you know, the action that I took. There's so much agreement that I carry with this and I am thinking about how given the amount of information that we have access to, which in and of itself is certainly a privilege, it also in a certain way and in a way that I can't quite connect yet, but I, I think there's a connection there is we have the capacity and the ability to be spread thin, but to never go really deep. And so if we were to consider all of the information and all of the pieces of news that we can encounter on a daily basis, it's like, okay, so you know about every microscopic thing that's going on within the US and then within Europe and then within the Middle East and then within Asia and Africa and all these nations. And so as much as you may know, it doesn't, there's never like a potential to root yourself in anything. So Mm -hmm. all the more, I completely agree with you that like, maybe it's just about that one cause that you have in your mind and just really going for it and going in in doing an amazing thing for it that couldn't have otherwise been done if you were to try to prioritize 13 different causes. Uh, And I think um, one other side of that coin is with the amount of information we have, I mean, truth be told, like I can read about all of this stuff, but I don't really know it. Like I read maybe a headline, I read, you know, an article, but an article will never give me the same depth of information that I want for something that I'm truly compassionate about or passionate about at my core. Um, So like right now we're taking like very small tidbits of information and feeling very informed, but I would argue that we're not. And um, the positive side or, you know, like they say, like the dark side and then the light side about having all of this information available to us is that when you find something that really piques your interest or really shatters your heart or really, um, really grips you, mm-hmm. 
we now can research things, you know, to no end online. We can, you know, hmm. use Google Maps and really see that place in the world on a map with a satellite image. Um, we can, you know, even go and visit that place if we wanted to see, you know, the, the village that truly has no water and see how people live. Um, so I think that's really, really, I mean, to kind of think about the optimistic or positive side of the age that we live in is like, once you find that thing, not only can you research the crap out of it and <laughs> really expose yourself to it and really get, you know, dig your hands in. But I'm also now thinking like, you could probably find a community of other people that also identify with that passion or that topic um, and really form deep, you know, connections that way. This is so cool. It's cool because some of the very things that we are now addicted to, you know, whether it's social media or whether it's the internet or whether it's ourselves, what you're essentially saying is that the things that were given as potential things to suppress us or make us feel inferior or make us feel overwhelmed or fatigued are the very things that could actually be used as tools. And I would even go so far as to say like a really handy like weapon to do mm -hmm. something a lot more positive and to do something a lot more impactful and show at the end of the day, I think that we're not as bad as we can convince ourselves to be. Yeah, I don't think we're heartless humans, you know, like I very much believe that we are people who feel, who connect, who feel torn apart when we see some of those images of what's happening around the world. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, on one hand, the response that you can choose is to feel defeated or to feel discouraged or just tired, mm -hmm. um, like we talked about. And I really like that there's a phrase that kind of captures that um, because then it's like, okay, I can identify it. But then the other way that we can choose to respond is to take action and really admit limitations and recognize it and empower ourselves to really dig into the um, one, two, three things that we want to really be involved with and take a stake in um, and the, the battle that we want to fight and the community that we want to build around that too. Because I think that, you know, when you feel defeated, it's very like lonely and you feel like, oh, like I'm just one person. What could I possibly do? Um, but like you said, like the internet, the communities that we all participate in every day are just platforms that allow us to build those communities and build um, those villages to make you realize that you're not alone, that there are people everywhere around the world, um, potentially, who have the same passion and fire inside of them. So to maybe... Now that we've sort of been able to establish like, hey, you know, you're not as bad as you may think you are right now, or or we can be a lot more selfless than we had ever imagined possible. If I am in a position where I'm thinking like, okay, let's let's do this. Let's let's get into a passion and let's really do something that is significant or just meaningful to us, but I don't have anything. What should I do, Rachel? Like I don't even know what to go after. Or should I even be going after anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really tough question. <laughs> I personally, I think I sort of feel like that. Um, I kind of think about like, okay, what do I care about? Or what really stirs my heart? Um, 
And one, I would encourage you not to feel embarrassed if that's the situation you find yourself in. Um, I think the places, you know, what you don't want is to manufacture compassion, exactly. like manufacture, like, oh, oh I need to, I need to be like all about this thing. And I think that will be taxing and tiring on its own, but really kind of looking around you to see, you know, obviously we all are, we are all beings who are made up of connections and relationships. So um, I think the things that really resonate typically are things that have some kind of direct or indirect impact on you. So whether that's, um, you know, usually people who have been affected by cancer in their family, that's something that they're passionate about or um, divorce or mental illness or things like that. You can kind of look around yourself and see. Um, so just as an example for me, this is not something that I personally am super involved with now, but I feel the stirring in my heart more and more is I live in Silicon Valley. I work in technology. I live in San Francisco. I am a believer. I am all of these things. And a believer of what, Rachel? <laughs> I believe in I believe in Jesus Christ and he is uh, the one who died for me and my sins. And um, I believe that there is a heaven and that he died so that we can be reconciled to him. So these are the things that I believe. These are part of my identity, right? So this all intersects and sometimes clashes in the city. So what does it mean to be um, someone who believes in the kingdom, who believes that there is a second life after this, mm -hmm. um, that we are living for? And while I live in the city where there is homelessness and there is um, just like so many people who feel pushed out of the city because of tech and mm -hmm. the financial inequality um, that exists here, like, what do I do about that? And what do I do living in the very center of that? So that's something that I've recognized as like, okay, this is a very unique, uh, not unique, but this is kind of the perfect storm or intersection of these very big parts of my identity. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel accidental. And I do care about this because it affects me on so many different levels. So it's multi-layered and I don't have a really great answer in terms of like wrapping it up with a typo, but sort of, I think my encouragement would be to look around you and look at this place that you're in. If you believe that it's not accidental, which I don't believe anything is accidental um, or coincidental, like why are you in the place that you are and what kind of gifts, what kind of tools, which Initially, it may not feel like a gift. It may not feel like a tool. But what kinds of things are, do you have at your disposal that you can use uniquely and that you can really utilize to do something? And it doesn't have to be like, I will end homelessness in my city tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but Because that would feel overwhelming. But, you know, even having a conversation about it, um, I think that's more action than feeling defeated by yourself. What about you, Nina? How would you answer your own question? <laughs> I have to throw it back at you. Honestly, I would piggyback off of your answer, um, particularly in terms of this awareness about who you're surrounded by or where you live and, and everything that is in proximity to you. And I also don't think that it has to be a pillar or some sort of monumental challenge that we face as a world because 
you may just be getting out of a situation that's been really tough for you. And as you go into trying to be generous and extending yourself to others in a time where you just feel so empty and so dry can maybe be the worst thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But as you look around and it doesn't have to be caring for those who lack, but I think sometimes caring for those who have too much is Hmm. as just of a cause to be compassionate for because you know, just because people may have things that society would deem as more than acceptable and as more than reputable, oftentimes are the loneliest people. And so whether it's your friend who um, superfluously and extravagantly spends money to no end, but doesn't really understand why or have a reason other than because I can and they find a sort of sense of lack, I think that that person is somebody who you can open your heart to under you know the definition and the guideline of our original description of compassion which is just having space in your heart to care for somebody else or to care for something else so i would yeah piggyback off your answer and and glean that little bit out of it i think what you said is is so um kind of timely especially for you given the upcoming transition (laughs) uh, moving to los angeles again where that is kind of you know, this is a stereotype and I will fully admit that, but where there are so many people who, um, have a lot and, um, have, you know, superfluous sort of amounts of fame or wealth or, you know, whatever. Um, it's kind of, yeah, I never thought about it like that. Like both people absolutely need compassion, um, in different ways. Yeah, and I would never want it to be confused as a sense of pity or charity. It really is just expanding, opening that door in your heart that just may have been a door that led more to you than to other people and allowing for it to to be resided in by, you know, those in your city or your friends or whoever as long as it's less of us. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. we're more or less on the right track. Um, yeah, And so we hope that in some way this either brought out something new or brought out something old and feels new to you. But that would kind of actually conclude our episode on compassion and empathy. And I'm very confident in the fact that we're not going to re-record this and this is going to be the one that you guys hear. <laughs> but Rachel, are there any updates that you want to let our listeners know for episode 10? Yeah, so we are somehow already at episode 10. And the positive news is that 10 episodes later, Nina is moving back to the Pacific West Coast. So uh, yeah, we're really excited to be back on the same coast, a little bit closer to each other. Hopefully we can actually record an episode with next to each other for once. Yeah, I believe. (laughs) In the upcoming episodes, I think we want to try something a little bit different than what we've been doing we are toying with the idea of doing like short five-day experiments trying them out and then reporting back to all of you so it could be a little bit of a different approach to this podcast either way we would love to hear your thoughts your feedback what you guys think about compassion empathy some of the topics we've talked about over the past few months introversion all of it so if you have thoughts feedback please send those over to us But otherwise, you can look forward to a few different flavors of episodes uh, coming up over the next few weeks. Bye.